Well, hello, everyone that is listening. This is the On Brand with Joel Brand podcast, the worst name of a podcast that I still need to figure out a new one for. But we have today Lauren Januzic with us. And Lauren, say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. It is good to have you here. Lauren is the youth director at Redeemer Life in Vernon Hills, Illinois. And Lauren has done something very unique and very noteworthy and something to celebrate. She has gotten an article literally published in Christianity Today, online, in print, go back 15 times, seconds later, that just happened. I said that. She has an article in Christianity Today called The Divine Sisterhood. So the link's going to be in the bio, and you need to read this and check this out. Um, it's about her experience in seminary. And so I'm going to start off and just say, I want to listen to it as a, as a white male who's been through seminary. I think the best posture I can have is to listen to your experience in seminary. So Lauren, tell us uh, what the article is kind of about. Yeah, so um, before I do that, I can kind of give you a little bit of background, just why um, I chose the topic that I chose. Um, It sort of came about randomly. Um, I got connected with someone who works at Christianity Today, and they were looking for articles about higher education, and I immediately just started thinking about my friendships in seminary, um, specifically with my female friends. Um, the beauty is that the Lord has been calling to w- women to seminary for years and years, and, and we've been going. Um, but I don't think anyone's ever sort of sat down and been like, well, what, what does female relationships with other females look like in seminary? And so as I look upon my journey in seminary, um, my, my uh, female friends and my male friends, I mean, the guys at TEDS have been my absolute biggest cheerleaders. I've had such a good experience, and I know that's not the same across the board. A lot of women actually have really horrific experiences in seminary as it relates to gender dynamics, but I personally have had a really positive one. But what I really wanted to do was celebrate the women that have been going to seminary and specifically the relationships that occur between the women in seminary because it's a really unique space to be a woman and it's a unique space to have female friends um, and you really sort of band together in really special and profound ways. So yeah, um, like I said, my experience in seminary has, um, you know, largely been really wonderful. I mean, obviously things with the pandemic have changed things, but when I think about, you know, even pre-pandemic seminary, um, just the relationships have been um, really formative for me. Um, And I love the fact that my friends are from all different denominations. You know, one of the beauty of TEDS uh, is that there's, it's really ecumenical. There's a lot of people that come from all different backgrounds from all over the world and the women there are the same you know we uh, one of my closest friends is um, she has her PhD in immunology um, she is a scientist and you know she decided to come back and get her MDiv. so anyway all that to say um, that's sort of the broad strokes of, of the article and sort of my experience so as you're writing it and you're sitting there, I assume you're hacking away at a keyboard and you're not doing the old pen and paper as much, but as you're typing or however you're writing and you are thinking, this is an article that I'm going to put my name to. Mm-hmm. Was there any fear that you coming and saying your experience might have some people push back, say, that's not my experience. That's not the way it is. You're painting this picture a certain way. What were those thoughts going through your head and how did you handle them if so? 
Oh, absolutely. That was a huge fear of mine um, because I can't speak for everyone. Um, you know, as I said, there is a huge spectrum of experiences and that also depends on what seminary you're going to. It depends on um, sort of the, the demographics of the seminary, the students that are there. So one of the things I tried to do to combat that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was very, very nervous about this. Um, but one of the things I did try to do was to sort of get a diverse group of women to represent in the article. Um, so the article, it is about me a little bit, but it's in large part about these other women that I interview throughout the article. And so I tried to sort of, I sort of um, cast a wide net in terms of seminaries who have women that are there who have graduated um, and ask them about their experiences. And one of the most incredible things was though it is hard in different ways for women, Every single person I talked to said that their female friendships, and I think the article says this, that their female friendships was one of the biggest blessings to, like for them as they were in seminary. Um, and one of the ways that the Lord really um, enabled them to thrive um, sort of behind the scenes in these relationships. So yeah, and I would also just say prayer. <laughs> just, I spent a lot of time praying for God's mercy and um, just that, you know, these women would feel honored um, and celebrated and represented well because I the last thing I wanted to do was to say oh well my experience actually has been really positive as it relates to the men I've been surrounded by and have a woman be like well that's great for you but that absolutely has not been my experience or you know on the flip side to sort of say oh it's terrible you know the men I've encountered have been terrible and then other women be like oh actually my brothers have been huge cheerleaders so I tried to sort of cast the net and and um, sort of talk about the the spectrum um i don't know if that answers your question but you answered it perfectly yeah the the thought i have from that is you know there's there's a wide spectrum of how people respond to any situation right including a, a woman in ministry and yeah. we kind of think of there's the person who is either yes all you know women in the pulpit every sunday or the per mm -hmm. person that would stand out you know stand up and walk out of a church as soon as a woman would get there now there's yeah. this whole middle ground of what uh, is known as microaggressions, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that's probably, you know, for me personally, being vulnerable where I have to grow, right? It's my awareness of my microaggressions and what I'm communicating, what I'm saying, what I'm actually contributing to that is so um, impactful, but subconscious in my head. So cutting off a woman as, as she's speaking or you know, under, you know, many things that you could also explain to me. How does, how does microaggressions kind of fit into this world that's not just black and white? You either support women in ministry or you don't, in your experience. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I think microaggressions come from sort of a subconscious place. Um, I think we, and we see this too with, um, with uh, racism. Um, I mean, more so even sometimes with racism where, um, it's not, you know, you can sort of actively consciously say, yes, we celebrate you. Yes, we honor you. Yes, we respect you. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of a process to unearth your sort of innate biases that you have held, you know, forever, be it because of the way you grew up or the people you've had around you or just the attitudes that have been around you. And so I think when it comes to gender dynamics, um, a lot of times, it is so culturally ingrained, especially in the church, for men to take the lead and for men to sort of have the last word or have the last say or even make the final decision that even if there is a sort of a celebratory um, culture, I think um, 
I think sort of underneath the surface there could be, um, uh, yeah, uh, sort of an unconscious bias, I guess. And so what microaggressions actually do is that um, it's sort of like a death by a thousand cuts, you know? So it's like you get interrupted once, you're kind of like, oh, well, bummer. Um, you get interrupted three times and you're like, okay, now I'm a little frustrated. But if, if every time you're speaking in class, you're getting interrupted or every time you answer a question in class, it's being rephrased in front of the class or, um, you know, for my, for my friends who have doctorates, um, every time you receive an email and they address you by your first name instead of um, Dr. So-and-so, you know, um, it, it just wears on you after a while and you start to think, well, is this a lack of respect? Is this, is this an active lack of respect? Is it, is it sort of an unconscious lack of respect? Um, but just the idea that um, I think we all have things that are under the surface that we, that we are just unaware of um, and we um, sort of relate to other people according to those things. Um, and so, as those things continue to happen, it just sort of builds. Um, it's sort of, it's not just an isolated incident, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely, the death by a thousand cuts is a great metaphor. And, you know, I've, I've heard people talk and, and even younger Joel's has entered into this problem too, right? Of, oh, listen, I don't care if I get cut off. Uh, you're being a little sensitive right now. Like it, everyone gets cut off, you know, this, this idea sure. is in my head. But then you go, wait, pause, you don't care that you get cut off because you're never actually worried that someone's not going to listen to your voice mm -hmm. as a, as a man in seminary, you're not sure. worried that uh, you're going to potentially be ostracized from up from opportunities because of these things. So me sitting there as somebody who doesn't really have that same concern and then saying like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't care if this happens to me or, whatnot it's it's not fair is that is that accurate lauren would you have anything to say on that yeah no i think that's absolutely accurate you know and i think we too forget what goes on behind the scenes um in addition to the interrupting so a man might be interrupted in class and have exactly the reaction that you had um whereas if a woman let's say a woman got uh interrupted uh in class and talked over in class but just five minutes before she had before class she had a guy come up to her and ask her why she's even there um or you know she had a male professor um sit her down and say you know i'm allowing this is a true story from a friend of mine um you know i'm allowing you to sit in my class but i don't actually believe that you're allowed to exercise the gifts that um, you know men are actually there they are allowed to exercise these gifts but you're not I'm teaching you but I don't want you to do anything with it basically so it's like so you know of course I'm gonna if I get interrupted in class in five minutes before I had a man say well you're not supposed to be here of course I'm gonna be more sensitive to that incident or just perceive it I want to be careful because I, I also don't want to paint this picture that it's only a matter of, of perception because I do think that it is like there is a difference between a woman being interrupted and a, and a man being interrupted by other men. Um, but I, I will say that it sort of just it, it compounds. So you're exactly right. Um, I think it could be sensitivity, but not sensitivity in like an overreaction sensitivity as in anyone who gets deeply disrespected and dishonored would be sensitive to that exact topic um and then a microaggression occurs later and and of course they're going to be related and they're going to feel very related amen completely agree i just i love the title the divine sisterhood too and as i was thinking and in, in reading that article i i just saw a connection and i'd love to hear your perspective on this 
a, a deep connection that doesn't just happen because everything's perfect and, and going like, you know, sunshine and, and rainbows and, and ice cream sundays, right? Like your deep connection is perseverance through challenges and through really believing in your call and really believing in your gifts and saying, this is so important to me that I will push through. Like there's a, that's sisterhood, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I hope I heard, I summarized that in a way that's honoring to what you were saying. Is, is that yeah, accurate? Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think us uh, men can kind of look at that and say like, you know, I have brotherhood with so many people, right? But what's my brotherhood rooted in? And my brotherhoods are probably different than others. But for us to all look and say like, yeah, it's good to have camaraderie with your peers. But like, what's your camaraderie based in? Because if your brotherhood's based in you getting opportunities and, you know, having other people, you know, be excluded or or whatever it might be it's like well that's that's not really a great thing to be centered around so i just loved seeing that clear kind of characteristic in the sisterhood that you were talking about was there any other characteristics that you kind of saw as you reflect on your divine sisterhood yeah um i don't know i you said it really really well i think maybe the only other thing i would add would be um, to say that, you know, the divine sisterhood, it's more than just a shared experience or a shared um, time. Um, it's really, it's much deeper than that. Um, it's, um, you know, women, unfortunately, get pitted up against each other a lot because there just aren't that many opportunities for women. Um, thankfully, that's that's changing and that's improving. But, um, you know, um, a lot of times there there is a temptation for competition because of the way that the culture is set up and because of the fact that there will be 30 women women vying for a single opportunity. Um, And so I really wanted to flip that on its head and just to say, you know, women don't really, I mean, camaraderie and um, supporting one another and cheering one another on and celebrating one another's accomplishments is so much better and so much more, effective in terms of thriving than competing with one another. Um, And so I really wanted to highlight the fact that women do really celebrate one another um, and support one another in whatever they're doing, but um, especially in seminary spaces. Um, One of my, my closest friend in seminary, she, um, her and I took a class together and we were the only two women in the whole class. And um, it was a class that I really, really loved. And she would just sit there and just whisper in my ear, like, yes, Lauren, say something. I know you want to say something, say something, do it. You know, it's like, we just need, we need other women to sort of like be with us, um, who know us, who can say like, I know you're going to thrive in this environment and I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate and push you to do that. And what a great way to have a sisterhood, right? Celebrating the achievements Mm -hmm. and the accomplishments of others. Any other Mm -hmm. final thoughts on the the article, Lauren? Uh, We do want to talk about your work at Redeemer Life and other areas, but any kind of thoughts there? No, I mean, I just want to say, like, it it truly was, um, I mean, such an incredible experience for me. I mean, I grew immensely by talking with these women. Um, and I guess my biggest takeaway was just that I'm not alone. You know, I wrote it because I have felt very lonely in ministry spaces and seminary spaces and women feel that way a lot. Um, and the best part for me was just talking with other women who have blazed the trail before me, who have done this before me, who have been in ministry for, you know, decades now. Um, and just to say like, we're not alone. Um, 
and these women are incredible and um, maybe you don't see maybe they're not you know being like mega church pastor like celebrity people like they're totally behind the scenes a lot of the time but like women are doing amazing things and so um that was just really encouraging to me as a woman in seminary um going into ministry and so one of my prayers is that the women who read it would feel that that they're not alone and that um women are doing it by by the lord's grace amen um i'm gonna offer a question that people could follow up and ask you so that they could connect this is kind of the sure. like the like reel them in you know to come talk to them because because it's so awesome to have you in this but I would love to know, and other people I assume too, how did it even happen? You get an article in Christianity Today, but don't say it on the pod. People email and follow up with Lauren um, to be able sure. to hear about that. Great thing. But you are at Redeemer Life Covenant mm-hmm. Church. How did that happen that you are at that church that is uh, pastored by the one, the only Boaz Johnson that many people <laughs> on this, uh, listening to this would know? How did it happen that you would get connected to that church? Uh, yes, dear Dr. Boaz Johnson. Um, he is such a wonderful man. Um, so it really just happened because I, I had been working in ministry at a church for several years. Um, and I really just sort of feel the Lord's tug on my heart to, you know, maybe look into some other churches, really wanting to be a part of a smaller community, um, a diverse community. Um, and so it really was just a connection from a friend. Um, one of my friends who is a youth pastor at another um, covenant church in the area just connected me with Boaz because um, he knew they were looking and he knew I was sort of sticking toes in the water at a time. Shout out Thomas Salili. Am I right? Yes. Uh, Okay. Speaking of the guys who have been cheerleaders, um, Thomas is like one of my absolute dearest friends, but also one of my absolute biggest cheerleaders. Thomas is a great cheerleader to many folks and, and hopefully one day we'll have him on this fun, fun podcast. Um, so Thomas is a connection point there. Now yep. you started in COVID. I did. How has that been? <laughs> um, I've never done anything like it before. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very challenging. I'm a person that prefers relationships in real time and space. Um, I really don't love relationships that only exist on the interwebs. Um, so, you know, the beauty of ministry is that you can do life together. Um, and especially with youth ministry, um, you know, youth discipleship so much looks like modeling life together. Um, and I can't really do that. Um, sort of ministry has been boiled down to one-off conversations, um, which is fine and great. But I think for youth, it's a little bit harder to jump in and swim in the pool um, when it comes to, you know, trusting you and um, opening up. Um, they really need to sort of see you make a fool of yourself and um, just see you in sort of real life experiences. And um, I don't get to do that. So it's been challenging for sure. I'm hopeful that the conversations I'm having right now um, with the youth will sort of pave the way for deeper relationships down the road when we can be in person. Um, but yeah, the truthful answer is I, I don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm starting completely over, even though I've done youth ministry for, I don't know, six or seven years or something. Um, but yeah, it's like a totally just, different ballgame. You just brought up a point that I have honestly forgotten. And, uh, one of my like foundational principles of being a youth pastor is like you, you teach kids how to be a Christian, not just by having them understand when to stand and sit up in the pews and how to mm-hmm. hymnal or whatnot. You teach them how to be a Christian when you go to the grocery store and you buy snacks with them and you walk out and how do you treat the clerk? How do you view mm-hmm. 
money and food and, and conflict and all of these things. And it's like, those moments are just shrunk in COVID. Maybe there's some elements that we can teach them a deep Christian Christ-like posture, but mm-hmm. there's so many that I used to be able to participate in that I no longer have. And that's, I can't believe I've forgotten that. It's like foundational and how big yeah. that specific point is to us. Mm-hmm. Um, are you at a place where you feel like you've figured out how you're like going forward with Redeemer Life? I mean, all of us youth workers are like, uh, I feel like on a month to month, we're trying to figure out how the plan is. And we have experience understanding where our church has been. Do you feel like you're still throwing spaghetti at the wall? Or is it like, hey, we actually kind of, this is our trajectory for winter going into spring? Um, I'd say both, you know, I do have a plan. Um, I don't know how good of a plan it is, but I have a plan. And, um, I think sort of the, the way I've been communicating it to the students themselves is, you know, what we're going to see. Um, and the lines of communication are open and, um, I want you to tell me if you, you know, your thoughts and your perspectives and, you know, this is a total guinea pig of a situation and I've never done it. They've never done it. And so, um, you know, we'll see. I think something I, I am excited to do though, that maybe wouldn't be possible in person is, um, I'm really just focusing on breaking them up into smaller groups, sort of more discipleship groups, um, just because I think a big zoom call can be challenging, especially when they've been at school all day. Um, and so using the like breakout room feature on zoom or whatever, but, um, trying to sort of break, break the group down a little bit more to sort of build relationships. Um, so that is the plan, but honestly, I don't know. I mean, I could get to February and be like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't working and have to go back to the drawing board, which I fully expect, um, you know, just cause these are weird times. So <laughs> I could have a bumper sticker that said, I have a plan. I just don't know how good it is. It yeah. <laughs> every car I will ever own. Um, yeah. yeah. Is there any way that we as youth workers in the conference that you are with can, can pray for you, Lauren, can support you practically? Anything as the community that is here and as you're entering into it more, how can we support you? Yeah. I mean, prayer is a huge one. Um, I need all the prayer. Um Yeah. And even I think ideas for things that are fun. That's the thing that I'm sort of like, how do you play games on Zoom? And how do you make things sort of when you can't just like have a pickup basketball game, you know, or a pickup soccer game or whatever. Um, And so right now, it's what I'm doing with the junior hires this week. Sporkle.com. It's like old school. Did you ever go on the website Sporkle.com? That sounds really familiar and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sure I've been there. In college, you were home on Christmas break and for two nights straight, you just did every Sporkle quiz you possibly could. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's like, here's a blank picture of the United States of America and can you name yes. all the states? It's like, right. can you name the Pixar movies in chronological order? Which one came up first? So I just have them log on to Sporkle. We're on the Zoom call. We play the games, see who can win. Gift card to the person who does it, gets the most and does it the fastest. So subtle shout out for Sporkle.com. But yes, we're all looking for those game moments for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So shared ideas for sure. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. I'll let you know. Um, yeah, prayer prayer is a big one. 
Um, and obviously anytime we can sort of get together and uh, pray for one another more specifically and just, you know, speaking of like a sisterhood or a brotherhood, just like a community, I think is really helpful because it's easy to feel isolated in ministry anyway, you know, without COVID happening. And so um, I think as much as we can utilize each other for support and just ideas would be, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. I haven't ever been in the same room as you, Lauren, and I assume many people who are listening to this not named Thomas Salili have never been <laughs> in the same room as you. Um, without putting your youth ministry hat on, without putting your Christianity Today hat on, how are you doing? What's happening in your life and kind of how can people get to know you more? Yeah, so yesterday was my first day back at um, TEDS. I'm a third year MDiv student at TEDS. Um, and um, so just starting second semester of my third year fully online it's weird it's hard um you know a lot of my friends have moved away or they're all online and so um it's weird to think that like a year ago in march that was sort of the last time we were all together in the same room um so that's just an element of prayer i think that is an ongoing thing that continues to be hard there's a lot of grief there and i know i'm not the only one um, but currently, uh, I, I'm actually calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my closest friend, uh, from forever, we uh, met when we were in middle school, um, lives here. And so I just decided since, you know, things were not open <laughs> and we were all on zoom anyway, um, I was going to spend a good amount of time with her. So I'm really thankful to, to be here. Um, in the middle of a pandemic, just, you know, we're hanging out watching movies. Um, she just got a puppy. So we're playing with the puppy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, um, COVID life, it's, it's a weird, a weird thing. Um, but I have seen a lot of the Lord's mercies over the last year. I'll tell you the Lord's mercies. You're still friends with somebody from middle school. That's like, yeah. <laughs> That's isn't that crazy? I, I mean, we talk about that all the time. I mean, we're obviously totally different people now in our thirties, but, um, yeah, it's such, it's so special. She's basically my sister, you know, we've seen just, uh, the most life, um, you know, alongside each other and, you know, we're in the same group of friends in high school and just have stories and stories. So yeah, she's very dear to me and I'm thankful to be here with her. You said you've been watching some movies. What's been on? Yeah. What are any recommendations of recent ones you just saw? Oh man, um, we've been sort of making our way through like the list of movies that I personally would never watch uh, alone because I'm sort of a sensitive soul. I only sort of watch Disney movies when I'm by myself, but somehow with friends, I'm willing to like breach that. Um, let me think. We oh, I saw Dead Poets Society for the very first time. That is. Uh, a long time coming should have watched that earlier um we just watched parasite which was the academy award winner i think for 2019 is that right yeah um so that was good thankful we were able to watch that um was it kind of too much within me a pandemic and watch like i know people that watched it in march and i was like that's a hot take y'all settle down uh, yeah 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 um i mean the reason why i hadn't watched it for a long time is because people were like lauren i think it'll affect you in negative ways <laughs> i think you should wait um and it's definitely intense like i i would i recommend it with caveats for sure um but it was so well done and so well deserved of that award and um yeah i think yeah in terms of pandemic i mean i don't know i think um we've been at this so long this being the pandemic that um it's sort of not as 
fresh to, you know, I won't give anything away, but there are definitely elements that are crossover elements to pandemic life and isolation, things like that. So. Totally. totally. Any other final thoughts, Lauren, anything you want to tell the people? No, I'm just so grateful to, yeah, be in this uh, denomination. So thankful to be a part of this community and um, Joel, thanks for your support and um, yeah, just sort of come alongside me, lead me through this weird ministry time. And um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, it was an honor to be able to read your article. And it almost like, as I was doing it, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, I've talked to Lauren and she's in Christianity today. Like, <laughs> it's just so, there's so much happening. Yeah. But, but truthfully, if you have not read that article, please do so. Um, no matter where you're at in your own personal journey of faith and understanding microaggressions and, and living into what God calls us to, I think we can all reflect and be uh, more aligned with the will of our creator through Lauren's words. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Uh, we can't wait till we actually can all be together at some point, need a meal outside and, and uh, be able to uh, be in the same space uh, as, yeah. as all the youth workers of the central conference, but we're grateful for zoom and for this uh, podcast as well. So Lauren, thank you. And uh, please, uh, is there an email or a way people can contact you if they would like to follow up? Um, yeah, I would just say find me on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, the You can probably direct message me there. That's that's how you get followers. What's your handle? <laughs> it's just my name. I'm super boring. So uh, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Januzik, J-A-N-U-Z-I-K. At when, you Lauren a, when you have a last name, Januzik, you can't be super boring. It doesn't work. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. All right. Until next time, y'all. Thank you. Thanks, guys.